Welcome to Overboost 44. Overboost is a podcast interview series featuring discussions with speedrunners about their history in speedrunning and gaming and the runs they're passionate about. I am your host, PMC Trilogy, and with me today is The Boyks. Uh, Boyks, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> All aboard. Yeah, all aboard for, for value. So I usually like okay. to start these off with current events. And the yeah. thing that I wanted to touch base about is that uh, this weekend, starting tomorrow, is uh, Valuethon. And it's Valuethon mm-hmm. 9, right? Yeah. Um, so Valuethon's been going on for about five years now. Um, and yeah, this will be our ninth one, which would have been consecutive because we had had a event roughly twice a year mm-hmm. um but we we ended up missing one in the fall so uh this will be the first one since last spring now is there an origin story to value uh yes so uh, i used to be part of a a, a speedrun team way back in the day um i believe it was called hi i kawaii uh, yes. which was basically yeah like sort of anime games and runners um, but that marathon kind of fell apart at some point. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just make my own marathon uh, and invite all my friends that I think are cool. And then we'll just put an event for fun because why not? Um, so I started off Valuethon and Team Value is like this thing of just a, a group of my friends to hang out for a day and basically just show off some, some runs and people I thought were cool. Uh, and then it eventually sort of just grew um into a much larger much more open event with charity and and whatnot from there so that's interesting so this is not despite this podcast only being a thing that started in you know last year uh, this is the mm-hmm. second time the the Hawaii marathon has come up because i uh, oh, yeah. a few months uh, a few months back i had walsh uh who oh, is yeah, the yeah. author of the cat bag emote which i remember being a important part a huge thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we had that, okay. that whole team had nothing but like cat bags because mm-hmm. of the I remember that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that no, was a good time. I, I, I also I, I was like a lurker. I never ran myself, but I do remember mm-hmm. that being the marathon where I discovered one of my favorite streamers who I still get to watch now, uh, Puri Puri. So I always remember that marathon oh. fondly. Yeah, Puri's dope. Yeah. Um, if people aren't following Puri, he is over on YouTube now. Um, you should go check out Puri's channel. It's very good. Um, he's a very good friend of mine, and yeah, great content. Yeah, no, I recommend his stuff in, in my Discord yep. all the time, so I definitely heartily, heartily agree with that. Uh, a thing I wanted to ask about when it comes to organizing marathons is over the years, I, I think, and I say over the years, you know, since, I guess, what, 2015, 2016, I feel mm-hmm. like marathon organization tools have gone through a few phases and I was curious if you had any particular. Do you think where we are now is good? Do you miss something? Um, uh, you know, for I, as an example, when I was uh, looking through your speedrun.com profile, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I wonder what what Boyx moderates. And I looked at the bottom, and I forgot that there is there was once upon a time mar- marathon organization tools on SRC because it still lists. It's true. Valuethon, I think uh, Valuethon. Parentheses, the new marathon is Valuethon 3, and then below that, Valuethon 3. Um, so I was curious, yeah. as an organizer, did you have any sort of takes about marathon organization tools? Yeah, I mean, there's been a bunch of different tools to help out with it. Um, to be honest, it gets more and more complicated the larger your event gets. So 
uh, you end up customizing a lot of that anyways to fit your needs. Um, but yeah, for a while there was speedrun.com um, where you could just go into the forums and request access to set up a submission page, try and organize it that way, and then have to submit. Uh, that one had a ton of problems, though, because it was super rigid, and you couldn't add or remove anything that the speedrun.com folks decided was going to be in there. Mm-hmm. So you were just stuck with whatever they gave you, and those were the questions and the information you could get, and the rest was just good luck. Um, so that wasn't great. Right. Uh, there was a tool that was put out for a little bit, um, which was called like Marathon Maker. That was neat. Uh, for a year or two, which um, sort of it's kind of like, oh god, how do you even pronounce that? Uh, Oengus? Yeah, I always say Oengus. Whatever it's called. Yeah, that, yeah that's the one that a lot, um, I feel like a lot of people are either using that now yeah. or, or moving to it. I know, I think you guys moved to it for the first time this year, right? With this event? Yeah, or? I never heard about it until okay. this event. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll try it. <laughs> um, but Marathon Maker was something before that that, uh, that one didn't have a website. So the way that it was run is um, Lord Mouse, who had coded it, uh, was the one who, him and, I don't know. Yeah, it was Lord Mouse and someone else. Um, But they coded it, and then uh, Lord Mouse would run it on their server um, and host it on a website for Mm -hmm. us to actually host the event. I think ESA used the same thing for a while. Um, But the tools have been sort of evolving. Uh, Oengus is probably the easiest tool so far, it's not perfect, um, but it does include some nice tools that otherwise are tough challenges for organizers. Um, the worst of which is scheduling. Yeah. Uh, like, it's pretty easy to just look at a bunch of runs and saying, I want that, I want that, I want that. Uh, but then when you're finally getting it all sorted out, you've picked your game list, and you're like, okay, these are people I want and these are runs I want. Uh, when you are at that point, you then need to look at the schedule and be like, oh, this run I accepted that's three hours long gave me a three hour and 30 minute window that they're available. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, am I even going to fit their run in? They didn't give me enough time, you know, or or anything like that. So, like, that whole puzzle is just a, a huge mess um, to solve, especially when you're you're working on, like, a three-day window, 24 hours, uh, like our event. Mm-hmm. If it's, like, a short 12-hour, it's a lot easier, obviously, uh, schedule that, but I don't know. Um, that's real tough. Uh, Oengus inf- includes a neat um, scheduler where when people uh, enter in their times, time zones, another huge problem, mm, by yeah. the way, um, it automatically calculates their time zone to my local time zone, which is great because I've screwed up time zones before when figuring out scheduling. <laughs> that's not fun. Um, but then it gives you like a nice big sheet of them all sort of lined up in a row um, with a timeline so you can see who's available when and how to fit them in. Nice. Um, it's not perfect because mm-hmm. like, it doesn't remove times for people um, after you've added them to the marathon for your schedule. So like, they still take up space and it doesn't really like clean it up for you, but it's an okay start. Um, Peraro, still pretty good for uh, at least getting a schedule out there. Um, it uses some markup tools, which are nice. You can like put links to your runners and such if you have time to go in and edit all that. Uh, that I have some problems with Hararo, though. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> uh, mainly, so the fact that anybody can make a Hararo and that it shows up on their schedule 
but only five marathons ever show up on any individual day for their schedule means that somebody can just go in on Hararo and say, I'm streaming these days, schedule a time, and has nothing to do with a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll just block off like 20 days of time, and then they'll show up for those 20 days on the calendar, blocking off and cutting off you know, events that are running. Um, so that's not good. <laughs> uh, among other oddities with the site, um, it, it works pretty okay just for like a general markup, but yeah, uh, there's a ton of of random issues. Um, the way we end up kind of doing everything now, uh, for Valuethon anyways, is I have uh, the Oangus, which is what we use to have people submit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use the tool that they gave us to figure out like time zones and when people are available to roughly calculate a schedule. Then we had to convert it over to Hararo and actually type in and get the schedule there. Then we had to fill out multiple Google Sheets to reorganize everything and figure out our streamers. And like, so it, it's really like seven tools. Mm-hmm, yeah. Just to get it working right it's now. Still, it's still not quite. I mean, do yeah. you do you think that the it's it's moving in a direction where it will be more unified? Or, I mean, or is it probably, is it just sort of intractable? Um, well, it would take somebody to want to go through and organize them mm-hmm. um, and create that tool. And then they would also need to have a lot of experience running those events to know what is useful and why. Right. Um, if you just get random coders to code things, they're going to code it in like an optimal way. Um, but that's not necessarily a useful way. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Right. Um, so the feedback's important. The other thing is like, if it's a free tool, um, how are they handling their hosting? Like, if I'm going to make a free tool for the community, am I really worth you know willing to spend you know 150 dollars a month on running this tool just so people can use it? Um, there's a lot to consider for that for sure. Personally, I've paid a lot of um, devs and artists and such for for tools and overlays and, and other things that we use to try and automate things in the marathon. Um, so I personally do that, mm-hmm. and then I use some free tools. Uh, that are available to to help with um, some of the more basic needs for the the event. So cool. No, I, I think it's really interesting to, to hear about that. I mean, personally, you know, I've submitted to a bunch of different marathons using these different methods, and to sort of get a sense of you know where it works and where it doesn't for organizers, like what the other side mm-hmm. of that is. You know, it's it's interesting to me to hear, and hopefully, it's you know it's, it's useful to to other folks um, going yeah. forward. Do you feel like you have any? Like if if you could chart out a goal for for Valuethon, like obviously you are achieving the goal mm-hmm. every time, which is to have fun, share cool runs with people, you know, yeah. raise some money for charity. Do you feel like there's there is an arc going forward that you would have a goal for Valuethon? That could just be metrics, could be anything else, you know. Yeah. Um. So right now the event is uh, multinational, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um. So people in the U.S., Germany, like tons of places that are helping run the event and also participating in it, which is awesome. Um, and I like that it's sort of chill and laid back, and it's a nice introductory to marathons that I personally feel is very well run um, and has a good community of folks that are just really welcoming and, and um, happy to help each other uh, and cheer each other on. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, if it were to grow... Uh, I would want to keep all of that as as best as I can. 
Um, so that that's kind of the important part. Uh, I'm not sure growth for an event like this is tough, to be honest. Sure. Um, there's so many marathons and other events already in the field. Um, it's hard just to even get your name out there. And a lot of it more revolves around like cross pollination of communities, just like any Twitch event or uh, channel does, to be honest. Um, so that that's tough also to grow. I think ultimately, though, um, if I could, I would like to run like an in-person event at some point. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fun to organize and run. Uh, we have one in California now, which is Calithon. Uh, there's the Midwest Speed Bash in Ohio. Um, and then, of course, GDQ. Uh, more West Coast. There's also uh, SGDQ, Minnesota. Um, so the one thing that's really missing is Pacific Northwest in my eyes. Wow. Um, Not the Northeast? Well, we got... <laughs> well, now it's Florida, I guess, right? Because <laughs> yeah. AGDQ well, is in Florida. I was going to say, let, I'll do a quick plug for listing all yeah. in-person marathons. Uh, there is a series of marathons in the Philadelphia area called the Next Level Speedrun mm. Showcase, which are run by uh, Retro Gaming Live TV, RGL TV. Uh, they do yeah. a pretty good job. Obviously, not right now. Hopefully, we'll return once in-person right. events return. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that, actually. Um, I know there's nothing in Seattle or Portland or any of these places. Like, anywhere I live. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is interesting. So it'd be nice to get some of those community members um, together to try and do a live event. The big problem with moving something like um, like Calithon, obviously, is we're California. So we're going to host it in California. You can obviously submit if you're outside of it, but we expect it to be at the event. That's changed now that we don't have live events. But... Um, mine's all well. I guess Valuethon. Uh, I don't want to say it's mine. It's a ton of people working on that. Um, but Valuethon has been an event that has always been online and always been people in tons of different places. So trying to get a live event in one specific location like that, um, I think ultimately it would be tough, yeah. but it'd be cool. So no, for we'll sure. See. Oh, here we go. Here's yeah. an important question from Chad. Do you want to become famous? Nope, just kidding. Yeah, can I buy follow? Ah, shit! <laughs> Not too late. I missed it. Well, let's let's yeah. go back in time then. Let's let's segue there yeah. from <laughs> to to the, back to the proper script. Uh, mm-hmm. Where is your start with video gaming? How did you get? Does that come from family, friends? Where does that come from? Uh, yeah. So I'm the youngest of three kids in my family. Um, my sister is three years older than me, and my brother is eight years older than me. So uh, I grew up a lot with them playing video games and me just kind of sitting and and watching them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was fun. Uh, We had an old Apple II that we had hooked up in our basement that was hooked up to like a a, a really crappy 80s CRT. That was great. So I would sit there and play um, Carmen Sandiego and like put the floppy disks in the keyboard, like all the important stuff. Um and then, yeah, we had uh, NES, Super Nintendo growing up, uh, PlayStation. So, I don't know, my family is just, or at least my, my siblings, uh, have always sort of been into gaming. Um, and I kind of just grew up with it and, and absorbed it. What were, what were some of the major titles that you would have been sharing with your siblings? Uh, my sister and I used to play a lot of... Um, Super Mario All Stars, the Lost Levels, specifically. Specifically, and the Super, Lost Levels. Okay, and, and Super Mario Brothers Three. Um, 
We got really good at the hard one, though. <laughs> so, um, her and I used to do that a lot. Uh, if we were playing at the same time, we would do Super Mario Brothers 3, so we could do the two-player mm-hmm. pass-off. Um, and then my brother actually introduced me to Doom and Wolfenstein. Um, so oh. I got really into those on PC. And when I was like seven or eight, I was actually making Doom math for a while. Oh, they really? were good. But oh, good. <laughs> have you, do you but, still have any of those? Did you? Ever, no, ever, no. Okay. I, I, there are too many computers back, sure. unfortunately, yeah. at this point. Yeah. But yeah, um, we did a lot of that. Um, my brother was a little bit too old for me to like actually play games with mm-hmm. at the time, but yeah, sister and I played a ton of like. Super Nintendo and NES games. Uh, a lot of Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt's not very interesting, but when I was a kid, <laughs> oh, it works, right? You gotta yeah, be something. Did you? So I, I feel like we're we're here in a speedrun interview podcast, so it's safe yeah. to assume that you stuck with gaming. Uh, have your siblings also stuck with gaming, or is that did that kind of become your sole domain? Um. Yeah. So I actually just recently sent my brother my old NES. Oh. Um, with a bunch of games because he wanted to get his uh, daughters into um, gaming, but he wanted to teach them the older stuff mm-hmm. while they're still like, you know, four or five. Sure, sure. Because it's simpler and uh, it's something that he can kind of connect with. Um, so he's teaching them how to play NES right now. I, I'm sure he's starting them off on something easy like Mega Man. Uh, <laughs> Mega Man 1. Uh, it's fine. They're four. Oh, They'll yeah. learn. Um. And then, yeah, my my sister uh, still plays every once in a while, but she's not, like, super big into it anymore. Her uh, kids, um, her son and and daughter are really into games, though. They have a Switch. Uh, I think he plays the Minecraft Dungeons on it. Uh, Last time we went back, uh, or last time I went back home anyway to see them, I I taught him how to play the Pokemon card game. Because mm. <laughs> he, he was really into it, and he had cards, and he was just like looking at the pictures. So I'm like, oh, let me teach you how to play it. I guess, you know. Those card so. games can be hard to hard to get into without someone someone to to really hold yeah. your hand on it. Um, no, so actually, you you kind of anticipated one of my, one of the other questions I like to ask around here, which is, uh, you know, do you still have that hardware around? It sounds like the NES stuck around. What about some of the yeah. other stuff? Like, did the the like did the PlayStation survive the years? Uh, the PlayStation One I ended up selling to GameStop for ten dollars towards an Xbox 360, like a big stupid idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I sold them Final Fantasy VII for five bucks at the time because it's GameStop. Yeah, um, that would be about GameStop prices. The Super Nintendo I sold for like vacation money one year because <laughs> we were going on vacation. I'm like, yeah, that was a bad idea. Um, the NES, I think, is the only one that really stuck around up until, like, the 360 era. Uh, I did keep my original Game Boy. Uh, oh, I had an old old brick Game Boy. Right, right, yeah. Uh, the old... but, but I've actually taken it apart now, because that was the first system I started modding. Right. Um, so I took it apart and reshelled it and put a new screen on it. So that's still the same Game Boy I had. At least, like, the backboard on it is the same. Yeah, so. most of it. We're, we don't want to need to get into a ship of yeah. Theseus problem here. That's, right. that's beyond yeah. the scope it's, of the it's podcast. It's the same in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a, a lot of it I ended up selling it at the time because like, the way that I got games was I sold games to buy new ones, right? That or I went to the video store mm-hmm. and I rented the same game four weeks in a row, you know? 
So. Yeah, I mean that's one. So one of the reasons I like to ask these questions up front too is because I, I think so often access is what shapes our mm-hmm. taste in media, especially access. You know, when we're in our our like you know tween teenage years and things yeah. like that, you know, really is going to determine uh, what what we're interested in later on. Um, another here's another milestone question, which is. Uh, presumably, so I, I, my guess is from the way you described, a lot of these you know, vegan consoles were, you know, they were sort of the family thing. Mm-hmm. You, know, you and your siblings were playing them. What would what, what would have been the first thing that was uh, that was yours alone? Maybe it was the 360 or something. But but the idea being um, that this wasn't something you were sharing with your siblings. This was your console or your PC. Yeah, Christmas '99. My parents bought me the Game Boy um, with. I think it was Link's Awakening. Um, and I did not at all really understand how to play Link's Awakening. Because <laughs> that was my first Zelda. So I'm like, I don't know how this game works. I got lost in it, and then I didn't really want to play it. Um, until they bought me uh, Pokemon Red uh, in 2000, when it was on sale, finally. Mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah, that <laughs> would have taken Then I got super big into Pokemon, <laughs> is what happened. Um, and around that time is about when I got my Super Nintendo as well. I bought it from, uh, like, around 98, 99, I bought it from a garage sale for, like, 100 bucks with 13 games, some box. Yeah. Um, that one was mine, too. So, good stuff. Cool. So, going from there, we're going to be talking mostly about speedrun stuff, but I do want to mm-hmm. check in on multiplayer gaming uh, over the years, have you had any big multiplayer game phases? And that can include anything. That can include, um, uh, you know, MMOs, uh, MOBAs. Yeah. I'm going to say card games because I've watched other interviews with you, and I know that's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I played Magic for mm-hmm. like 16, 17 years. Um, that was big. Uh, as far as like multiplayer goes, I was actually really big into shooters, uh, especially in the xbox and sierra so i was huge into halo mm-hmm. uh i didn't like call of duty but i played call of duty because friends played call of duty <laughs> you know it's just like it's something to do wait um, what form of what form of halo were you playing like halo 2 on xbox live or was that or do you uh, well well first we did land games of okay. halo 1 mm-hmm. um and then we did halo 2 online okay. yeah yeah um and that Shooter phase kind of carried through up until about Left 4 Dead. Um, we used to have big LAN parties where we would hook up uh, eight TVs and eight 360s in the same house, like just in an apartment. Wow. <laughs> so there'd be four on the kitchen table and four in the living room, and people would just play um, LAN games of, of Left 4 Dead, which is insanely fun, by the mm-hmm. way. If you get people that are all in the same room trying not to give away what they're doing and where they're going and like also like shouting at each other when like the hunter jumps on somebody, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> like it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh every game of Left 4 Dead should be played that way. <laughs> yeah, no that that kind of game, especially in a land party yeah. situation, like that reminds me a little yeah. bit of um like there was there was a Half Life 2 mod called The Hidden. Um, yeah, where you, know, where you would have someone play like the 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 invisible guy that runs around with pipe bombs, and everyone has to hunt him, and and you're all sitting next to each other, right? So it's it's got that certain element to it. Um, some of the biggest PC games I was in at the time, though, when I was younger, uh, was Age of Empires two. I love doing online games of Age of Empires two, um, and Heroes of Might Magic three. Those were both really really good. 
So I got super into that like turn-based strategy around that time too. Now, when, when would that have been about? That's so Age of Empires two and here is my Magic three. That's like, uh, um, like ninety six. So you're doing that on on dial up, right? Yeah, or, it yeah. was not good internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, you had to go connect to GameSpy after dialing in, and then GameSpy would log you into their server and be like, "Here's a game you can join. It'll take forever. Each turn took five minutes." You just sit there and wait. Yeah. Great. No, Age was... of Empires 2 was mm-hmm. um uh real time, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't amazing internet. <laughs> but it, you know, it, it worked. It got the job done. I remember playing yeah. I remember playing some stuff on dial up and uh you know it wasn't it wasn't quick, but we, we got there in the end. Um so I yeah. did want to touch then on because I, I wasn't sure how much I wanted to ask about the magic stuff, but I know the magic stuff mm-hmm. ties into uh, how you got into streaming? So maybe let's start with like, how did you get into into playing Magic? And you know, because as you mentioned before, you had done, you ended up doing it for mm-hmm. a very long period of time. Um, yeah. So I was actually really, really big into Pokemon first, mm-hmm. uh, and the Pokemon TCG came out. So I started going to a local card shop to play the Pokemon TCG. Uh, my brother was actually the one that was into Magic at the time, so. Uh, after I played that game for like six or seven months and I was really enjoying it, uh, he bought me a starter deck for Magic. Um, I think it was like the 99 core set thing, which mm-hmm. had like two pre-made decks and like a CD you could put into your computer that taught <laughs> you how to play. Um, and then that kind of started me off with, oh, I can also play this game. So I went to the shop and started playing Magic as well. Uh, and then all the you know, lunch tables at school. There was like a small group that played magic. So I hung out with them, played magic. Yeah. Just kind of grew up from there. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, I, I uh, got into streaming cause I was actually making magic video content for YouTube. Uh, for a website now, what, kind draft, of, what kind of video draft content magic. would you have been making? Um, it was for a website called DraftMagic.com, which no longer exists. Uh, but it was like draft videos so you would, you know, record yourself playing and drafting an entire thing, um, sealed. Uh, also, like playing with a group of people that were all part of that website and doing some like community events and such, um, which was really expensive, by the way. Because oh, uh, getting we, all the cards or the equipment or, um, well, you would play on Magic Online. Okay. Um, but the problem with Magic Online is that uh, cards cost exactly the same digitally as they do physically for like no reason so if you wanted to do a draft it was 15 actual real dollars every time and sometimes you could sell cards off to like digital marketplaces to get some digital currency back that you could then digitally use to spend less so in theory you could go infinite and not spend money on the game anymore but there's so much art like randomness in it that that just doesn't happen even with play skill uh so um when you're recording videos, especially in a, a format where, you know, it's a $50 draft, um, if the video is not interesting, you have two choices of either I upload it or I spend 15 more dollars and another three hours of my life <laughs> trying to do it again, mm-hmm. right? So that would happen. Like, I would just spend $45 in a night playing this game, trying to get a video on a website I would make $2 back on. Right, right. I mean, were were you monetizing through? Was it for that website or was it through like YouTube? Yeah. Stores? Okay, through that website. Uh, it was through that website. They were paying me per video, and they mm-hmm. were making money off of YouTube from there. Okay. Okay. Um, 
it, it wasn't like a great deal, but it was a good like intro sure. to content creation. Before that, I hadn't really like made things. Um, I just saw some videos and I'm like, oh, these suck. I can do it better. And then it was worse, but then it eventually got better. <laughs> you got there. right. So, yeah. so, um, but yeah, that started, uh, Twitch actually started coming out around then. I, I used to be watching, um, Justin TV actually before mm. Twitch. Uh, and then when Twitch came out, I'm like, oh, streaming's not really the thing. YouTube's the thing. So I'll just do YouTube screw, screw streaming. Right. Um, but then I tried it. And I'm like, oh, this is actually just really fun. <laughs> I, I enjoy this way more than sitting quietly in my room and getting upset that I spent $15. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can only imagine that yeah. part of it. Yeah. So yeah. when when you would have been doing that, because so you said you were doing um, Magic Online, which I'm not too yeah. familiar. I've heard of that software. And I, I had friends who played Magic, and I'd done very little of it myself. My understanding was always that that software was, just as you said, not a great value proposition so to speak. Yeah. So uh, Magic Online started in 2002, 2001. Um, they updated the software in like 2006. And then they updated it once in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like a half update, maybe a couple years later, but it's still built on the same thing from 20 years ago. Uh, and then they just stopped doing anything with it, but it's still active and you can still spend money on Magic Online and it still exists. But they also have Magic Arena, uh, Arena, which is a free to play like yeah, way that, better that thing, that right? killed drafting among my friends. They yeah. used to get together every weekend to draft, and then Arena came out, and that ended. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, the, the the thought behind Magic Online's um, funds is that the reason the cards are worth the same as in paper is because if you get a full set of those cards, uh, you could eventually. Um, pay 10 bucks and Wizards of the Coast would send you that set of cards and remove them from your digital Oh, interesting. I didn't know right? that. Okay. There's so a... they did that They hmm. did that for a long time and it tied a, a price to the card is in like it's the same price as the card because I can just get that card mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. theory. If I, if I collect a whole set, I can yeah. in theory get that. Um, but then after a while they started realizing that it was a bad deal for Wizards. So Wizards just increased the cost enough to the point where it wasn't even worth doing. <laughs> but the value of the cards remained the same. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Because people were so invested in the market at that point that there's no way to pull out and like make anything off of it, right? Um, so it's weird. Like that that whole situation's weird because there's just like thousands and thousands of dollars stuck in this system that's twenty years old with cards that aren't even worth what they're worth anymore. God, so, it's just very funny that we're talking about yeah. like the speculative value of digital assets feels it, weirdly like, topical. <laughs> it's it's an NFT crypto art of a real card. That's not a real card, but you can maybe get a real card. You could if maybe you spend too much money. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or you could just go to Kinko's. Not that I'm advocating printing mm. fake cards, but what? <laughs> So part of the reason I wanted to go down yeah. this um, this avenue was I always like to ask when at the point when someone got into streaming, mm-hmm. uh, the the tools that we use for streaming have evolved a lot uh, in the past ten years, and it sounds to me like even though you might have it, it took a little longer for you to get to speedrunning because you started out with mm-hmm. magic cards and content creation. What kind of tools were you using then? Because I, I I have to imagine when you're doing those YouTube videos or then doing Magic Online on Twitch. You're not, you know, you didn't have access to to simple OBS yeah. like we do now. Um, yeah. So when I started streaming, I was using a program called Live Streaming, 
which was basically Justin TV's application at mm-hmm. the time. It wasn't good. It had a button that said go live, and that's all it did. Um, and then I moved over to, uh, what was it? It was, um, God, what's that other pay for service? I forget what it's called now. It might still be a, actually, I think it's still around. Wait, it's the like other a, one, the XSplit or, I mean, XSplit's the other big streaming program or you mean there's another pay? Was it? Yeah, I think it's XSplit. X- yeah. X-Split. Okay. It is X-Split. That's, that's still around. It's okay. still around. Yeah. Um, people, people still talk about XSplit occasionally, okay. which always surprises me. Uh, I used XSplit for a while, but then they went to a pay-for model, mm-hmm. um, which I did pay for for a year because I tried OBS Classic, and OBS Classic was absolute trash. Yeah, it's it was sucked. a little, it was rough around um, the edges for sure. It barely worked, and it was way too manual to do anything. Um, so I, I paid for XSplit for a year, and then realized that once they released OBS Studio, that was just way better. Mm-hmm. So I stopped paying XSplit and just have been using OBS since basically yeah, yeah. I, once upon a time i would tell people pros and cons about exploit versus obs classic but once studio yeah. came out i was like this, this is no competition um i tried slobs for a bit too the streamlabs obs um that was okay for like the first month it was released uh but then they started adding a ton of features that just bloated the software really badly so it actually uh eats up like tons of ram when you're running it if you're on a lower spec machine, you literally can't run Streamlabs OBS anymore. It just doesn't work. Yeah, I've I've heard. I never I yeah. never tried Slobs myself, but I have heard exactly what you said, which is just that it's yeah. become a performance hog. Yep. So I I dumped that and went back to Studio after a while. <laughs> yep. All right. So that case then, like, so that brings us to the point where I do have to ask the question now. Uh, how did you first learn about speedrunning? Uh, yeah. So. Back in 2011 or so, 2010 or so, um, I started, I think somebody linked me a video on, uh, what was it, Speed Demo Archive, Mm -hmm. which I'm not sure if it's still around because I haven't been to that website in a while. SDA is Um, still around. As someone who runs old games, let me tell you, SDA, I mean, you still run old games too. But yeah, for sure. But search the forums. Always search the forums. Even now, even in 2021, search the forums. You can find good stuff. I know that there was some useful stuff on the forums. Um, I started just downloading videos because mm-hmm. this was like it wasn't it wasn't like pre YouTube, but there wasn't like a YouTube for videos. Sure, really. and also to so, remember, YouTube used to have that 15 minute limit. Yeah. So if you wanted it did a full for a while, run, yeah, yeah. You had to split it up. So what I would do is I would just download them and fill up my hard drive. Mm-hmm. And then I found out task videos existed, and I would just download those and fill up my <laughs> other hard drive. So I had this hard drive just full of speedrun videos that I would watch in my off time. Um, and I would just go through and like, oh, Super Mario Brother, or no, Super Mario World, small only, you can do that. And then I would just download a task of it. I'm like, whoa, this is dope. <laughs> Show all my friends all these task videos that they didn't really care about, but that's okay. Um, and then, yeah, I would just fill them up, uh, sometime around 2014, I heard about AGDQ. Mm -hmm. I was still doing a ton of magic content at the time. Um, and I started watching their event that year and I thought it was really cool. Um, I was actually working at Nintendo of America, uh, that year. So I was like telling all my coworkers, this really cool events going on. Um, this is awesome. And like, those are all you know, gamer nerds that are mm-hmm. like super stoked about that type of thing. So it was like, it was awesome. So like, I just started 
bouncing around to random channels, made some friends after talking Twitch with them for a bit, um, just sort of hanging out. And then around AGDQ 2015, uh, I decided I wanted to get involved and help because I really like what they were doing. So I submitted to host their event because I hadn't run a game before. I've never speed ran anything. Um, I'm just like, I'm a big fan. Uh, I do video content for these websites. I'd love to come over and, and help out. Uh, and they accepted it, which I thought was weird. Um, so I, I actually went to that event as a Magic player at the time. That was just hosting. Because I'm like, yeah, hosting sounds fun. Uh, and that event uh, got me super interested in wanting to learn and do some runs on my own after I left. Um, whenever you go to a big uh, event with friends, like that could be like PAX or uh, MAGFest or GDQ or any of those. Um, I feel like there's just this huge energy that comes out on the way back out, and it sort of like revitalizes you and your interest. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I can learn a speed run. Let's go. I don't care. So what what ended up being the first uh, the first choice then? What did what did you what did you pick to be your your, your the object of your speed run interest? Um, my first game was Caro Blaster, uh, which is like a pixel platformer, kind of similar to Cave Story. Um, but it, it's a lot more linear. Uh, and that game is really, really hard speed run because there's just a lot of button mashing mm. um, to the point where like it actually cramps my hand a bit. So I had to stop speed running. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, take that, care of your hands yeah. for sure. But that was my first one. Uh, the reason I started speed running that is because I could do it um, while I was streaming magic <laughs> because... Um, Magic Online is not a very good program. So you would do a draft that would take like 45 minutes. Um, you'd have to wait until everybody was done doing their draft before it would start the next game. And then if you finish your game in 20 minutes, you know how long you have until you play your next game? 40 minutes. 40 minutes of doing nothing. <laughs> but you got to be there. You're on call. And you have to sit there because yeah. if, it, if it ends, you're starting. <laughs> so it's like... So I would just learn a speed run in between and like switch over the game and like I'm doing this now. <laughs> That's funny. You know, yeah, I wanted to ask with um with the with the hosting. Now, you know, it's easy I think right now to search and find whether or not people have done runs. You have a website like GDQ Pods, mm -hmm. for example, where it's easy to you know to look up the runner uh, the runs that a runner has done. Um, it's kind of less easy to see if someone like what someone has done in terms of hosting shifts. Did you stick? Yeah. Did you keep up with hosting, or was that kind of a one-time deal for you? Uh, yeah, I've hosted HGDQ 2015, 2016, 2017, okay. 2018, 2019. I think. Um, and I did like a, a SGDQ. I did GDQ X, the only GDQ X. Weren't there two? Was there a second one? I don't. I don't remember another one at TwitchCon. What? No, you had a run at one GDQX, yeah. right? That was the 2018 I'm, one. Yeah, I had a run at that, and I hosted okay. that. Yeah. Okay, because there's definitely. I, I don't a... remember if they did a second one though. I I can confirm GDQX 2019 mm. did happen. I oh, okay. I did a run at it. <laughs> Sweet. I'm like I I don't remember, so I'm like, <laughs> no, okay. it's fine. It's fine. Um, because the one I, I, was was yeah. it the one that you did was was up in NorCal? Was that the San Jose one? Yeah. Yeah. The that, one the one I went to was it, back in San Diego, so. I, I will say everything in that event, except for GDQX, sucked. Mm. <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah, TwitchCon, TwitchCon is awful. 
TwitchCon was nice because I got to see lots of people, but yeah. my conclusion coming out of TwitchCon was that I really just need to go to GDQ events. <laughs> was really yeah, yeah. my conclusion coming out of that event. Um, um, that event was weird because the TwitchCon staff didn't even know that we were going to be there after they closed the doors to the attendees. None of them yeah. <laughs> ever. So, like, we had to go and, like, have somebody come get you at the door to let you in to do like an overnight shift or whatever. If you had a run or a host, um, there was like barely any food on, on location. They gave you things that you couldn't have in the venue. If you left things like that, it was super weird. Yeah, no, that, there, that same yeah. energy was there. My run was like 1 AM, uh, like yeah. Saturday morning at, at GDQX 2019. And, uh, they were more prepared. I think TwitchCon was aware, but like also it's the middle of the night, so no one's there actually. Yeah, you know, it's just the whatever event staff they got <laughs> to do the twenty four hour shift. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's keep. Let's keep. Let's do some speed running. Speed running takes. We got your your very first game, which was which was Cara Blaster. Mm-hmm. Of all of the speed runs that you have done, do you have a favorite? favorite speed run and you can um, you can qualify that however you want you know like I, you're you're welcome to to justify that as you will yeah i guess uh i could say two um my favorite speed run uh both music and like i guess like how the speed run actually plays and difficulty and everything is probably Shantae half genie hero uh i do the jammies any percent which basically uh Shantae is a game is more of like a, a metroidvania where you go from place to place you get items that unlock you know transformations that take you to the next area um the jammies mode turns it into kirby instead <laughs> so it's essentially just a Shantae kirby game which is great i love it um, it just plays like a standard, you know, platformer where you go level to level, and it's really fun. Um, my second one that's like the most fun one I've done, that's also just a weird oddity that I like to show off, is uh, probably Vampire Knight, which is an old, um, I want to say Konami light gun game. Mm. Um, that one had a PS2 port. There's also the arcade cabinet. So I, I obviously play on PS2. Um, but I have to, you know, set up an actual CRT. I have to set up my light gun, point it at it. I have to um, set up OBS with some custom filters, Purry, actually, uh, that help remove the flashes for the stream so there's not, like, random flashing. And- I've, I've read about this. Yeah, no, I've seen it. Yeah. T- Purry's, um, Purry's capacity for tinkering is incredible. Mm-hmm. A genius. It's just really cool to do a, a light gun speed run. Like, people mm-hmm. don't really do that, so... No, it's know, definitely like it. something that's underrepresented for sure. Yeah. What about the flip side of that? Do you have a run that you've done where you're like, mm, this didn't work out for me. I'm probably not coming back to this. Your least um, favorite. Yeah, I've tried a bunch of games that I don't really think jived well with me. Uh, I didn't really finish. Actually, a lot of the games I've done during like 12-hour challenges, I ended up not sticking with because I just the act of like forcing myself to learn something <laughs> just wasn't fun. Like, oh, this is a game that I know is a cool speed run. I'll learn it, and then it wasn't. So I'm like, that sucks. That's um, really funny. I I had, I had a guest yeah. a few weeks ago, uh, uh, Jaxler, who does like a lot of 3D platformers, yeah. 
and like half of his uh, repertoire turned out to secretly be things that he started in a 12-hour challenge and oh, just couldn't really? put down after, which is just, it's just interesting to hear the different outcomes of, huh. of that sort of project. I, I think it depends on how you learn. Um, I need something that I just like casually enjoy uh, in a way that learning doesn't feel like work. And when I'm doing a 12-hour challenge, it's like I'm taking notes, I'm trying to keep track of everything, I'm feeling pressured for time. It just doesn't work for mm-hmm. me, unfortunately. Um, what was one... I, I wanted to get good at Portal. I finished a run. I'm on the leaderboard. <laughs> I'm technically there. What, what's my time? Uh, okay, glitchless Portal, 44 minutes, 39 seconds. 926 place killing it yeah there you go no that's great i, I, I want to get good at that game but man i just can't top 1000 <laughs> easy all yeah, right i'm on there um I, I i try super mario 64 because obviously everybody tries super mario 64 i just don't like the way that game controls i can't do it um i don't know stuff ocarina of time i've tried ocarina of time i've tried even randomizers of ocarina of time mm-hmm. i just get bored mm-hmm. i don't know what it is it's not for me yeah so. no that's that, but but like yeah. that's also fun to try them too though like i don't i don't i mean it sounds to me like you didn't like yeah. these things but you also didn't necessarily have regrets about trying them yeah exactly so. how about a game that you would like to speed run but you have not gotten around to it yet you know either for time reasons or it doesn't fit with what you're doing right now um i've been considering near automata since i just finished that that would be fun um, it was just a really fun casual. I think the the ending A would be good to go through and play. Um, plus, it's like less than two hours. Um, I think World Records like one twenty, but like mine would be less than two. Hours. <laughs> right, right. So I think that's fair. Um, Time wise, I don't really like super long speed runs. Um, just because it's hard to get me to sit down and and focus that long on something. Uh, at least to that capacity. Mm-hmm. So that's one though. Uh, another one I actually kind of wanted to go back and, and speed run or route were some of the old crappy Mortal Kombat games on PS One, like the the third party offshoot ones, like uh, uh, Special Forces. Uh, Special Forces. That's okay. Uh, it's the Jax game. Yes, the Jax game. Yeah, <laughs> that game sucks ass, but <laughs> but it was actually kind of fun to play through in like a really weird way. So I'm like, eh, this could make a fun speed run. I don't think anybody's routed it. Um, also the Shaolin monks on PS2 is really good. There's a bunch of glitches you could do to just fly in the air while spinning and like skip a bunch of stuff. So I think that'd be fun to speed run, but, um, as like a God of War clone mm-hmm. anyways, um, some of the more odd ones that I've had in my, my list for a while that I've played a while back, but I just kind of, put on the back burner to try it at some point so always waiting for for the opportunity to to come and push you to finally do it yeah. how about a favorite speed run to watch that you have no plans to run yourself um talos principle is really good uh there's just a lot of like when you solve every puzzle by jumping over the wall <laughs> it's really good right <laughs> Uh, Portal 2, um, one player, two keyboards, where they just do the two-player mode by themselves. Mm-hmm. That one's super fun to watch. I wouldn't want to do it, though, because it's too much track of in your head. Um, those are those are both really, really good ones. Uh, otherwise, like Symphony of the Night uh, or Aria, those are both super good Castlevanias that are, are fun to watch. 
yeah cool no, those are all solid all right, one one more. I know that you have uh, you know you, you've had a few GDQ appearances under your belt, and I was curious to yeah. ask uh, if if you had one game that you could get in there free that you're like this is you're gonna get a freebie, you get to pick whatever you want. Uh-huh. What game would you would you want to put on the stage? Uh, the one game I want right now is DBZ for Connect. <laughs> I just want to see a Connect game at GDQ, and if I'm the one who's gonna bring it, then so be it. And if it's DBZ, it's even better because it's just pure memes. <laughs> oh no, yeah, it's memes top to bottom yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah. That's it. Well, I'll ask you a little bit more about how you found that one because I did, I did watch yeah. that VOD. That was one of the ones that you had, you had shared with me. Yeah. Um. All right. So I wanted to ask. Uh, you mentioned earlier you brought up with Curl Blaster the issue yeah. of button mashing and kind of cramping your hand. Do you do anything uh, in terms of maintaining good hand wrist health, things like that, just to, so you don't end um, up injuring yourself? I mean, I have like sort of slight carpal tunnel, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like I'm just getting older is part of it. If I was ten years younger, it'd been fine. But I'm in my thirties, right? So right, right. That's just what happens. Yeah, um, it is. It is what happens. It's true. It sucks, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's part of it. Uh, you can obviously like stretch your wrists and your hands, and I, I do some of that. But um, what I ended up just doing was dropping the games that had the, the mashing. Um, that's actually sort of a big uh, pain point in some communities is the mashing. Uh, mm-hmm. Pokemon specifically has a huge point in mashing because you have to mash through text sometimes for like two or three hours with some runs. And it's just literally text. There's no right. skill in it it's just it's three hours of i need to do this because if i don't i'm gonna lose time right there's no thought process nothing's happening in the game so there's a big thing in the pokemon community where they were trying to get turbo like can i just turbo it literally doesn't matter (laughs) it's not not a skill but but the people that can mash fast and can ruin their you know they don't want that because then it gives an unfair advantage the people that that can't right so it's tough yeah i i hope to see more of it more of a, a turnaround yeah. on that like i i think for a long time yeah. i've always heard it described as being a thing where like in, in japanese communities turbo is acceptable for like our, yeah. you, you know text mashing and uh and that in north america it had not been the case right. because it was viewed as like a, a a tool that wasn't just human input it doesn't even make sense because like uh some communities do allow mashing in a way like if i'm playing half-life I have my cheaty mouse. I can bind <laughs> jump to my wheel and then infinite spin it. That's yeah. fine in the community. I can do this. This is like a thousand inputs. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But it's not for Pokemon. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I, you know, know. I, I, I hope, you know, I, I, yeah. I would rather the people arguing against Turbo yeah. realize how much pain they're going to save themselves you know yeah. by by getting out of that now uh you know hopefully hopefully that changes you know i i you know this is the sort of discourse that i imagine will only come up because we're yeah. we're both runners in our 30s <laughs> this it'll it'll keep there's yeah. gonna be more of us as time goes on at some point i'm sure but yeah it, it just is what it is mm-hmm. um there are some games i would pick up again if i didn't have to button mash for sure um but for now they're just sit in my list i guess yeah yeah well yeah, on the uh, on the subject of controllers too do you have any controller hot takes do you have favorite least favorite um yeah so if i'm playing like a platformer 
Um, my favorite right now, if it's not a but- bunch of buttons, is the Pokken. Oh. I love the I love the Pokken controller. This thing's great. Um, it has just a really good hand, you know, form. It has these big trigger buttons, which is great if you're doing like Super Nintendo stuff mm-hmm. or NES or Genesis. Um, and then the D-pad has a bit of like grip to it, and it's curved a little bit, so it like very naturally um, fits the form of your thumb. And then also like your hands don't slip because mm-hmm. it's meant to be used for a fighting game, right? So. Right. Like it works perfectly for that. Um, I love that thing. That thing's great. <laughs> no, that sounds really good. I I, I feel like D pad yeah. is often uh, you know can be a, a make or break deal for people when it comes to controllers, and that yeah. sounds like it has a really good one. Uh, otherwise, if I'm doing more of a modern game, I just use a Xbox One. It's mm-hmm. fine. Um, it's nothing amazing. Obviously, the D pad's not the best, but it's fine. Um, PC games. That's generally what I use. What about a least favorite? Is there one that you're like, I don't want to use this? Uh, yeah, I switched off of using an actual Super Nintendo controller a while ago because it just started hurting my fingers mm. to like mash, press buttons. Um, PlayStation stuff's fine. My absolute least favorite to run on is the PS One. Oh, the original, Wait. original digital P. Yeah, the yeah. original, original. Yeah. But although this is a USB one that came with my PlayStation Classic. Okay. Uh, which I've modded to put games on but if i want to speed run pepsi man um i usually speed run on the classic so i have to use this thing um plugged into it and that thing will just demolish your thumbs yeah easily Nah, that that'll that'll yeah. get the job done um, yeah so on the subject of equipment uh you know i know from from looking at your stuff you you are actually pretty you know i think interested engaged with uh you know modding hardware especially for mm-hmm. older consoles um how did you end up getting into that uh, and you can also talk about some of the mods that you've done yeah um i started getting into it just because i had my original dmg sitting around and it was kind of dirty um what i started doing was actually just cleaning them and that that's what was the real intro because i i never opened up a console before it was just an enigma a weird thing that you bring somewhere else to repair or that you replace whenever anything happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I took it apart. I uh, scrubbed out the insides. I washed them like not the board, but the plastic, the buttons. Uh, and then I put it back together. I put a new, new cover on it, like a new, new screen cover. And I'm like, Oh, this thing's dope. It's so good. It looks new. Um, and then eventually I realized, cause it started becoming more mainstream for uh, companies to be making like custom shell mm-hmm. button. And that wasn't really a thing. Um, so when it became really accessible and easy to purchase them, I, I watched a couple of videos on like, how to do things. and like, oh, you remove some screws. Is that really a thing you can do? Because um, like before that, uh, one of the other repairs I used to do was replace the uh, watch battery in my like Game Boy game mm-hmm. that, that used to save. But I didn't have a tool to access the uh, uh, the security screw yeah. mm-hmm. in the back of it. So what I did was I just snapped it. <laughs> Excuse I me. Just, I just hold yeah, these I in have, front of me while, I, while yeah, you talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> I have those now. But like I just I just snapped the screw and it broke. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and then I opened it and I'm like, okay, now what? So I took out the battery, um, like peeled it off the thing, 
but then like I didn't have a soldering iron. So like how am I gonna solder this to a new battery? So I just scotch taped it to the battery. And then in order to close my game again, because I had broken the screw, I taped around the sides, which obviously made it not fit very well into the back of the Game Boy anymore. And it like loosely held together, but it worked. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah the contact so that was, was made. my that was my first repair <laughs> of a game. <laughs> outside of cleaning things and that did not that was not a good idea no but it worked um and then eventually yeah i got the shells because they were way more convenient and i did one and then i'm like this is so easy and it's cool to learn and i love hardware Mm -hmm. um because i i have a comp sci degree bachelor's um and it was mostly in hardware and nes programming actually is what i did for my capstone project um so it's all like low level programming yeah no 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 so and breadboarding and stuff for for, i guess for uh listener reference i i have uh electrical engineering degrees and my first job out of college was embedded software programming so um i was i was in there for a bit myself yeah so like that that type of thing really interested me Mm -hmm. so i started digging into videos and purchasing stuff and then going from there game boy to game boy and then eventually i started getting more artistic with them and making like a a 70s stripe wood panel game boy or a vaporwave game boy you know just stuff that i think is cool that yeah. nobody else wants basically so, no uh, no I, that's... I, I, mm, yeah uh, but i've recently started taking commissions from friends and folks um that i kind of know uh and that's been going well for the for the couple people that have wanted one it's been, it's been neat so cool no that's really neat i i yeah. The the thing I was going to segue into, because obviously some of what we've been talking about, uh, you know, what you mentioned is aesthetic yeah. stuff, but of course also there's the utility of it. There's repair, and then there's mm-hmm. also replacement of things that don't work anymore. Uh, one of those big ones, I feel like, is we're getting a lot of lasers are starting to, to leave this earth, a lot yeah. of ra- lasers reading discs. And uh, a thing I've been doing, so I haven't, I don't, I usually never do any soldering myself, but I'm pretty comfortable opening things up. And so I, if I see a plug and play optical drive emulator, I'll mm. grab one of those. I'll, you know, I'll put it yeah. in, no, no issue. And the thing I wanted to ask was as a, uh, someone who speed runs, people can get real touchy about real hardware and emulation and things like that. Do you have any takes about the use of things like optical drive emulators and whatnot in um, a speedrun context? Of course, always be honest about what you're doing, but you know, beyond that. So there's two things. Um, one PlayStation speedruns are an absolute freaking nightmare because of their optical drive. Mm-hmm. It sucks. So every speedrun community for every PlayStation game has different rules on what they allow, how they allow it, what emulators, if any, which system, how they split it. The moment you get into optical, it blows. Yeah. So my suggestion is just allow whatever. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. As, as long as it emulates close enough or it's close enough hardware-wise, I don't care. Um, I, I used to speedrun uh, Pepsi Man on a Japanese PS1 that I have over you know, my closet here. Um, that console is very slow to load. <laughs> it's not very good. So if I wanted to do a speed run on that and I wanted to get a competitive time, I just lose 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And when, when the, the top times are all, you know, like, uh, 18, 50, 19, 20, and I'm getting 1950s, that's a huge deal. <laughs> now, one thing I could do is I could get a Japanese PS2. And I could fast disk speed it, and that that counts. But do you split the PS2 between the PS1 times? Like, 
what do you do? Is that any different than me putting a, a fast loader in my PS1 that just doesn't have the disk load that the PS1 does? Like, it's so messy. Yeah. So I, I think just allow whatever. Who cares? The The point isn't to have, like, the, the end-all, be-all, this is the perfect recreation score. The point is to have fun as a community and compare your times in a, in a somewhat competitive way that everybody is agreed upon. Right? Um, and the more you muck that up and confuse it, you start running into, like, well, I need to buy an IQ to play Ocarina Time situations. Right? Like, who cares? Right, right. No, I, I think that's exactly right. I, I think... The, the further I get into, especially like PlayStation 1, PlayStation yeah. 2, which is you've mentioned are, are full of, uh, you know, different community rules, yeah. which is which is fine. But, you know, you get in all sorts of these different loading situations and you have a lot of people who are yeah. like, I got a horde 90k PS2 so I can play my PS1, PS2 games and speed run them. And I'm like, you know, this is maybe this is affordable right now, but this is this yeah. is going to start turning bad. I, I do think uh, when it comes to emulation allowing emulation on the same board as console is fine as mm-hmm. long as the settings are comparable. Um, PS1 emulation is not that great overall, although it's gotten better over the years. Um, but the problem is, like, once you start doing that, then you also have to, like, am I really going to check the frame rate of every video somebody submits to my dumb meme game that has five runners? Like, just just to make sure you didn't switch the FPS to 70 instead of 60 on your emulator? Like, am I really going to do that? Do I really care? Like, is it worth my time? Yeah. Probably not. If it's, like, a big board with a thousand people and a ton of notoriety, maybe, but, like, you know, um, it's tough. I I don't tend to run games that have big leaderboards outside of Portal, 900-something whatever's (laughs) play. 26th, hell yeah. I'm, like, almost dead last in the people that actually have a time. Hell yeah. Um, But, like... That also, when you run into PC speedrunning, it's the same thing. Uh, if I have a better PC than you, then my game loads better. Um, now, you can potentially cut out loads, but unless your your speed game has a, a load remover that somebody actually went in and coded and made, it's a huge pain in the ass to go through like a two-hour video and cut out every load, time your run, right? Right. Manual counting of loads for every run that you want to submit. No one wants to do that. Yeah, but once you start getting into the nitty-gritty of, like, our runs are too close in time, I have to take this into account. I don't know. I don't really care about that, to be Mm. honest. Yeah, no, no. Who who cares if somebody's computer was faster and they got 30 seconds at that point? Just put them all in the same category. I don't give a crap. (laughs) Right, yeah. At at some point, you have to ask what's worthwhile in terms of labor. And you go in from that. All right, well, let's let's start jumping into some of uh, some particular games. Of course, uh, when you know, when when I ask a guest on, I ask for a few mm-hmm. different videos, a few different runs that are that are important. Um, and I feel like I I wouldn't be doing my my due diligence if I didn't bring up the the Pepsi Man phenomenon. And the first thing I want to yeah. ask, because you know, I feel like this is a well known thing, the Pepsi Man runs, but I feel like you have embraced it somewhat because. Hmm. Uh, you know, you, you, you have pepsiman.net. <laughs> yes. When did that, um, when did you make that decision? How long have you been the owner of pepsiman.net redirecting to your Twitch channel? So, um, I did my first Pepsi Man run in 2016, mm-hmm. um, which was its own ordeal. Uh, and at the end of that, I realized that 
Um, what I did was I plugged Mike Butters, which was the uh, FMV actor. The actor, yeah. Um, and I think at the time he had 100 people on Twitter, and then I shot him up to like 3,000 overnight or mm-hmm. something. But then I realized like I, I didn't I didn't get anything out of it. I got like one viewer or something that stopped by. I was like, hey, I like your run. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, so what I decided was I was going to make a novelty joke URL um, the next time it got accepted to plug as a joke. Not necessarily to get people to go there, but just like, hey, why not? Right? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sort of a modest person. Um, it's hard to like ask for something like that. So it was easier to play it off as a joke than not, uh, or then to do it the other way anyway. So I, I actually made Pepsi Man life first. Okay. Um, which was through GoDaddy. Never buy a domain through GoDaddy. Yeah, don't do that. That's a bad <laughs> they idea. They are predatory as hell. <laughs> that was a bad idea. Um, but I bought that as a joke for the year. I, I said it at the event, and then I ended up buying PepsiMan.net after that one lapsed because I wasn't going to give GoDaddy $120 to... Uh, renew my five dollar joke domain. So yeah, um, at the first at the first Pepsi Man GDQ run twenty sixteen, uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. that the the person with the Pepsi Man costume uh, mm-hmm. handles uh, Frozen, I think. Uh, yeah, that's Frozen True Ally. Okay, Frozen True Ally. Is it the yeah. same person in twenty eighteen? Yes. Okay. Um, so the funny thing about that is he just had that costume. He just already had it. That was not yeah. not purchased no, for the event. We, I didn't ask him to get it. He just had it. So I'm like, "Hey, you have a Pepsi Man costume, right? Yeah. You want to go? You want to be on the couch? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it." <laughs> Fascinating. Oh, no. So yeah. that's that's the big fashion choice, right? Like everyone's everyone yeah. watches those runs and they see. The other one though is in 2018. You and uh, the rest of the couch have the have the T-shirt though, right? Yes. Where does that come um, from? So I actually asked my friend uh, Rhythmic to recreate that as an art commission. Um, and then we made the t-shirts. I actually sell that t-shirt. You oh. can buy that. Um, so it's it's an artist recreation mm-hmm. from a blurry 120p FMV um, that isn't exactly perfect, mm-hmm. but if you weren't like specifically looking, it would be. Uh, what's funny about that is uh, the actor, Mike Butters, actually bought and wore uh, the version of the shirt that I sell (laughs) um, in the uh, Angry Video Game Nerd video they did for Pepsi. Oh, interesting. So we actually looped back around, and he was wearing the shirt that we made based on the shirt that he wore. And when prepping for this interview, I went to check uh, Mike Butters' IMDb page, because I was just curious. I knew, you know, besides us nerds knowing him as the the pepsi man guy he mm-hmm. i knew he had also been in the the saw few of the saw yeah. films and i was like has he did, done anything else big and scrolling through i noticed that on even on imdb he was credited for an episode of angry video game nerd did not yep. know about the t-shirt though um he was on angry video game nerd he was also a referee in mighty ducks 2 i think that's right uh, and a uncredited referee in basketball I want to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, it's been basically like commercials. Mm -hmm. And I think he's just like a local junior hockey coach in Seattle. Hey, there you go. That's, Uh, that's a good living. That's nothing, nothing wrong with that. 
Um, another thing I wanted to ask about, uh, so when looking at your, your catalog of uh, GDQ appearances, yep. um, you, have, uh, you have some duplicates. And I was curious, so I, the one I'm thinking of, I'm talking about Pepsi mm-hmm. Man, and then also, um, I mean, if we're including GDQX, mm-hmm. uh, Donkey Kong 5, um, do you have any sort of uh, thoughts about, like, it's time to submit this again, or w- were you encouraged to submit Pepsi Man again? I'm just curious. Um, yeah, so I was encouraged, not from, like, staff, mm-hmm. but um, I wanted to give a year off of Pepsi Man and then try it again. The tough part of, like, submitting a game like that is there isn't really a difference in the run between right. two years because it's a very static game. Uh, the only real difference comes from like slight consistency benefits and bonuses as you get better at it. It's not really like a I did something different now and it's totally cool and interesting. It's the same thing. So like if I'm going to submit it for another year, I need to put on something that's just as entertaining or different in some way that isn't just the same thing. Um, so I didn't want to do it the year after in 2017, but in 2018, I'm like, oh, well, I can at least make it more interesting in some way, like performance wise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Donkey Kong 5 uh, actually is funny. I submitted Donkey Kong 5 as a joke <laughs> to SGDQ <laughs> that I expected them to not accept. And that was the like, that was like the throwaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I had all the runs I wanted <laughs> and they accepted that one. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? So I actually, um, one second. I have. Oh boy, what we got? Oh, I moved it. That's uh, it. Okay. <laughs> I have a, a green bootleg cart Ooh. of Donkey Kong Five, which is a bootleg version of the bootleg game. <laughs> um, made for some questionable, you know, quality plastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it works. So that's what I brought with me to GDQ, and I hooked it up to my GameCube player, and we played it. Um, for GDQX, that was actually like right after that that SGDQ, um, and they needed some people to to help run the event and such. So I submitted uh, a couple games as well, um, and the one they ended up accepting for that was uh, Donkey Kong Five, which I think they accepted partly because they wanted me to come to the event and help host. As sure, well, sure. So, so no, like, that, okay, that's... cool, we can get something quick in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's that's fair. So, all right. Well, you know, while we're on the subject of Donkey Kong Five, how did let me get the full title: Donkey Kong Five: The Journey of Over Time and Space enter into your life? Yes. Uh, that game has very important lore that you definitely need to know. Um, I actually think I saw that during uh, we were talking about it earlier. The uh, Hi I Kawaii marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody did a like twenty minute speed run where they blindly played it on stream during the marathon. Uh, and I'm, I thought it was really funny. So I downloaded it and started trying it. And I'm like, this game is awful. I love it. Uh, and I just, I just, you know, routed it out because they didn't do any of the, the warp pipes during that. So I'm like, oh, I'll just play it like Mario and see where it goes. Yeah. Um, for, for folks who aren't yeah. familiar with this, this video game, it is a, a very, what I would call almost traditional bootleg that mashes several different things together. It's like Mario yeah. stages with Donkey Kong sprites, Pokemon pinball music, mm-hmm. um, and it, so as just as you said, you know there would be warp pipes because that's just that's a part of the game that was included. Yeah, um, so that's from a famous uh, bootlegger called Syntax, who is known for flooding the market during the Game Boy era with the same game with different sprites, uh, and then just re-releasing it constantly. 
and, and ripping off games. I think uh, Donkey Kong 5, The Journey of Overtime and Space, the full title is important, is technically a version of Super Mario Deluxe on Game Boy Color. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually multiple versions of it. There's a Digimon. There's a that version. There's a Harry Potter one, which has a questionable name, um, <laughs> which is called Harry Boy in the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> that one's questionable. I'm not going to mention anything else yeah, about it. Need, need an adult uh, for that one. Yeah. Um, and then there's like six or seven other sprite swaps. Like, I think there's a Tasmanian one, which is probably where they got the Tasmanian sprite mm-hmm. that they ended up using in the Donkey Kong version. Um, and they just keep doing that and they keep re releasing it in worse and worse versions. Uh, they didn't actually know how Mario pipes worked and how piranha plants worked. So, like, you know how sometimes in Mario there's a piranha plant that pops up and then it goes back? Um, and it's not in every pipe. They just put it in every pipe. In every pipe, yeah. Every single one. And it's on a delay. So, like, you're just going to assume that one doesn't have one. And it does. It just, it'll wait for you to stop paying attention and then pop out. Perfect. Just designed <laughs> yeah. just like the original Mario game. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. It also has really bad input delay. Um, so that's fun for speedrunning, by the way. <laughs> You have now, to do everything like a second before it's supposed to happen. When you're doing runs of this, what what, what sort of were um, you were you just emulating it, or were you doing it on some hardware like a like a Game Boy Player or something for a Game Boy Color game, um, right? Because that's what this is. This is a bootleg yeah. Game Boy Color. I originally learned it on emulator, mm-hmm. um, and then I ended up buying the cart because I didn't like I didn't really have money for an EverDrive, so I just bought a bootleg. It's it's a bootleg anyway. Um, and then yeah, I played it on my uh, Game Boy Player on my GameCube over here. Do you so. do you play it on? Ever, I guess you don't really. Have you? I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Do you play it on an EverDrive now? But um, I mean, I have, have a Game Boy EverDrive now. But mm-hmm. yeah, I prefer to play on the cart because it's more fun. Right. So, right. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's. Well. Okay. So the most important game is Dragon Ball Z Connect. Mm-hmm. How did? <laughs> what What compelled you to get this game and to try and do a Connect speed run? Uh yeah. So I bought a Connect. Um. Uh, uh, Connect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just bought this used at some random. It wasn't even a video game store. It's like an electronic. Um... God, what is it? It's not like a recycling center, but it's literally just a huge room of old electronics. Mm-hmm. So they have like a table of nothing but wires and Ethernet cables and old routers and switches. And like you can just go through and build a computer from 1995 if you want mm-hmm. and then bring it home with you. <laughs> Like that type of place. Right, right, yeah. Um, and they had a they had a Kinect, so I'm like, oh sweet, I'll pick up the Kinect, it's cheap. I'm sure I'll find something to do with it on on stream. Um and then I found out like Kinect games are like two dollars because nobody wants Kinect games, right? Um so I ended up just buying a big stack of like twenty Kinect games. And for an entire summer I just started going through each game on stream and I'm like, let's go through these Kinect games and we'll find something fun, I guess, probably. <laughs> Which, of course, Star Wars Connect. Have to play Star Wars Connect because it has the uh, dance. What is it? Um, uh, it's like the Ubisoft dance game. Where, oh, Just Dance? Yeah, you, just Dance. Yeah, yeah, it's Just Dance with Star Wars. Right. Except there's no Star Wars songs. They just took pop songs and replaced the lyrics with Star Wars lyrics very, t- very terribly. Oh, I don't think I and knew. All, I, it, I knew there was dancing yeah. Star Wars stuff. I didn't realize that they yeah. had adapted the, the musical material. So there's uh like I'm Han Solo, which is a really good song. 
Um, there's a song about driving your speeder around the track, and yeah, it's it's amazing. It's so good. <laughs> um, that's one of the only Kinect games I kept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I found uh, there's fighters on the Kinect. You can play fighting games with your whole body because they thought that was a good idea. And Dragon Ball Z for Kinect is actually the most expensive Kinect game, first of all, at like $40. It's also the best fighter on the Kinect. And you can play two players if you want to play with your friend in the same room and Mm -hmm. have 60 feet of distance between you to play it, because the Kinect doesn't register people very well. (laughs) So it's great. It also comes with uh, an anime episode. Like that's exclusive to the Connect game. What so an ever exclusive wa- if, episode? Yeah. So if you ever want to watch that episode of Dragon Ball Z, you either have to have YouTube or purchase a Connect, plug in your disc, and then wave your hand so it plays the game video. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I I found that in that stack as we were just mm. going through that that summer. Uh, thought it was just really goofy and fun. Um. And then the reason I decided to speedrun it, because my, my casual play, that game is actually exhausting. It looked exhausting, casually. yeah, watching you um, do the speedrun. It took me, like, eight hours to beat the campaign, because, like, the the fights go on forever. And they expect you to, like, go back and forth and punch and kick and squat and, and do everything um, with these long, drawn-out fights that have really long, drawn-out DBZ cutscenes. Um, but what I found was that uh, the game actually came with uh, QR codes, which you could utilize to like unlock fighters and get super difficulty settings and whatnot. And the only reason I knew that existed is because there was exactly one speedrun of Dragon Ball Z for Connect on speedrun.com that somebody had done years prior mm. that used one of those codes. Ah. Um, they they used, uh, I believe it was KO Ken times five, okay. the code they were using, um, which doesn't really mean anything. It's just a code that slightly increases your damage. Uh, but what I found out is that there were multiple QR codes that came with the game, and their game must have only had that single QR code. So the way I speedrun it is by using KO Ken times 20 QR code. Right, you just got a better QR code, yeah. <laughs> well, I have a better QR code, so I have a better time. <laughs> That's how the speedrun works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Connect speedrunning is the dumbest thing. Good, good. No, I like that. That's you know, yeah. it's my the only the only Connect game that's ever crossed my radar. So like one of my big shticks is Mecha stuff, and I know there is a a much maligned Steel Battalion Connect game. Was that by any chance in your pile of um, games? I have that. You have it, okay. Uh that's still on my backlog. Okay. Um the Steel Battalion game uh requires you to sit down in a chair. Um, first of all, so okay. it's an active connect game that yeah. uses the connect sensor that requires you to sit down. Good. But you need to be sitting down with nothing around you. <laughs> so you need to be, you need to be in a completely open space with just a chair. Right. Yeah. And then the other thing it expects you to do, cause it, it follows your head movement as you turn left and turn right to okay. access things on the controls in, in actual steel battalion. You have this big controller mm-hmm. that's like four pieces and like pedals and such. Right. So the Kinect emulates all that. So you just have to like wiggle your hand over and be like, I think that's the right one, but it requires precision. So you like, you have to like be actually really close to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can't see anything while you're in your tank. All you can see are the panels in front of you. So if you want to see where your tank is going, you have to stand up 
to look outside of the top <laughs> of the tank. It's basically unplayable from what I understand. So I haven't given it a chance yet because the connect requires so much space. Yeah. Even when I'm like way in the back corner there um, from where I have my TV and my connect, it, it often loses track of me. So I'm yeah. worried about setting up a chair back there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I noticed that it. from watching the DBZ yeah. Connect VOD was that there were at least yeah. a few times even then that, you know, you were just, you were too close to the camera, you know, back up or whatever. And Like the Connect expected you to have an entire living room space between your television and where you're playing. Um, it's just not very good technology. So going back to GDQ, I would like to get it at GDQ. I imagine it's not very easy to set up on stage at mm-hmm. GDQ. But GDQ, you know, online, you know, I can just do it from my room. And we all saw that Half-Life <laughs> Alex speedrun with VR. Yeah, right? And Connect it's, is basically just the same thing, you know? It's the same thing, but way worse. <laughs> it's great. It'll be perfect. They'll love it. Plus, like, DBZ is totally not a niche thing that... Uh, oh, yeah. No, it's the brand. You got to sell the brand sometimes yeah. when you're doing these games, these licensed games. Absolutely yeah. sell the brand. I don't... You know, speaking of online marathons, I don't know if you're familiar at all with Licensethon, but I'm sure DBZ Connect could find a home there. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're ever so inclined to test it out at an online marathon. Um, speaking of the QR code, by the way, if somebody does want to speed run Dragon Ball Z for Connect, uh, the QR code is literally just an image you can find on Google, uh, and you can literally just put it on your phone which is how i use it mm-hmm. and then i just turn the brightness down and the connect will read the qr code so it's not like it's not like cheating or something that somebody doesn't have you just have to use the right code so all right yeah. let's let's talk about a, another genre of game we've we, you know we've gone through a few things that are maybe under underrepresented or underappreciated and i feel like one of those things uh are beat-em-ups you sent me yeah. a video of you doing violent storm uh, and I also know, looking at your profile, you've done other beat-em-ups. You've done Streets of Rage 4, stuff like that. Um, well, so let's let's talk about maybe beat-em-ups generally. Is that a genre that you played a lot? Had you played it? Hmm. Because The Violent Storm has been around since 93. That's an arcade game. Yeah, um, I used to go to my local arcade a ton and just pop quarters in the machines. Uh, especially with some not very good ones like X-Men mm-hmm. um, and Simpsons. Simpsons is god-awful as far as beat-em-up <laughs> goes. If you haven't played Simpsons in the last 20 years... You need to go play Simpsons and then never touch it again. That game sucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'd already always played a lot of beat-em-ups mm-hmm. in the arcade and try to get my friends to jump in because they were four-player or six-player sometimes. So like we could just crowd around and play it. It was great. Um, and I, I just really enjoy them, to be honest. Um, I played a ton of, of beat-em-ups even outside of speedrunning. Uh, I just think it's a fun genre. So was was Violent Storm one that you had encountered uh, back in your your local arcades, or is this something that you only discovered when you're like, hey, what what would be a cool beat 'em up to speedrun? Yeah, that one I found. Um, that one also has a couple GDQ runs, I think. Um, which is interesting because if you want to speedrun Violent Storm, it doesn't really have any port to anything. Yeah, that's an arcade so the, game, right? It's just straight arcade. Yeah. yeah. So the, the way they had to do it at GDQ was actually hook up a JAMA board with an output mm-hmm. okay. and and play it on arcade hardware, which is not something that's easy to set up on, no. s- on stage, by the way. Um, so that one's interesting. Uh, I just found that one. I, it wasn't even a GDQ run that I found it in. I was just digging through random arcade games to see what was fun. Um, and that one struck me because the music's so good. 
Uh, and I tend to speedrun games that just have really good music because that's what I enjoy a lot in games that I play over and over. Um, so that one's just really, really fun. Uh, it reminds me a lot of like Battle Circuit, which is another one that I speedrun that just has like goofy humor and really good music. Uh, I kind of wanted to go back and maybe touch some of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at some point. Because uh, that was actually a big part of my youth, mm-hmm. was playing uh, TMNT and the arcade game uh, and Turtles in Time and such. Um, I just haven't really gotten a chance to go back and, and do those yet. Now, I didn't see... Violent Storm, the, the run I had watched, was, uh, I think, a, a solo run. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you done a lot of uh, co-op speedruns for beat-em-ups? Is that something that you're interested in? Yeah. Um, another goal I would like to get, actually, is I, I want to get a co-op beat-em-up run on stage mm-hmm. at, at like a GDQ or a bigger event. Um, being able to play co-op with my friends and show off that that experience that i had at the arcade you know and that communication that that happens in those games um is something i definitely want to do the hard part right now is that a lot of beat-em-ups don't have online play mm. um so being able to to do a beat-em-up speed run uh requires either a really complicated setup um like parsec or something like that to try and get it to share or um we can do the ones that have online play but if the online spotty, good luck, <laughs> right? So it depends. Um, it's just not something that I can easily like play at home or or on my own, which kind of sucks. Are there um, any the beat, game, are there any beat em ups that do have good online that you would be like if you want to do a co op? Yeah. Um, Streets of Rage Four is great. Okay. For that, that one's super super good. Um. That one, I had a lot of fun at. Uh, all the games in the uh, Capcom Beat-Em-Up collection have really good online randomly, even on Switch. I had no lag on Switch. Oh. I don't know how that worked. <laughs> um, uh, Dragon's Crown uh, is really good. I actually, the, the speedrun co-op I did of that was with my buddy Nick. Uh, I played on my PS3, and he played on his Vita on Wi-Fi. <laughs> wow. And, and we did that speedrun, and it worked. So <laughs> that one's cool. Um, those are all really good. I think uh, if you're going to get into a newer one, Streets of Rage Four is probably the easiest access point. No, I definitely heard lots of good yeah. things about about that one. So that's that's cool. All right, I think one other one that I wanted to check off uh, was a um, was the other the other GDQ game that I hadn't touched on yet, which was uh, Crotel Renovations, mm-hmm. and. That of course is a you know more indie two D platformer game. How would it, how did you get into running that? Um, so Crotel used to be a free game, um, which was just Crotel rather than Renovations, mm-hmm. uh, and that was I believe just released on Itch.io at some point. Um, so one friend and I uh, sort of looked at the game, said, "Hey, let's try it," and then I think we did a blind race of it. Oh, excuse me, just to play through the game, and that was a lot of fun. So afterwards, I kind of just went through it again and started speedrunning the old, you know, Itch.io title, um, which I found a skip for. That was really fun. Uh, There's a fly at the beginning of the game of the original. That's the only fly in the entire game. (laughs) It was never anywhere else. And uh, there's a gap that's supposed to, like, fill with water. And you, you fall down the water and then walk around, climb back up. Um, I'd seen in some other games that people were speedrunning that they were doing things where you would like uh, jump at a, an enemy and then use the um, uh, knockback 
to push yourself into a space that you could then, you know, continue on. Right. So I decided I would do that same thing and see if it worked, and it did. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, this... Um, so, like, that kind of got me interested in really trying it as a speed game. Um, and I picked it up from there. And then eventually that dev actually came out with Crotel Renovations, which is uh, the same game with some modifications and some extra content like Croctel, which is sort of like the hard mode, mm-hmm. uh, and release it on Steam. So I picked that up afterwards. Um, the original GDQ run I did was actually just on Crotel. Yeah. Those renovations came out that like week that GDQ was happening. Oh, interesting. Okay. So like I was still on the original Crotel. Um, and then renovations came out and I eventually learned that and submitted that and got that in as well. Uh, after a few, uh, denials, I think. Um, but yeah, it's just a really fun little casual indie game. Uh, I had played cave story and Carol blaster before. So it struck me as interesting. because it was very similar to those games. Um, so yeah, it's good stuff. Did you uh, end there's... up having direct interactions with the, with the, the developer, uh, about the speed yeah. or anything? Or... I talked to the dev a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, on Twitter mostly, but uh, yeah, we talked about it, talked about um, issues I was having on like the GDQ PC when I was setting up for it originally. Um, they actually removed that fly that was part <laughs> of the skip in renovations, which was kind of lame, but for me anyway, mm-hmm. but it's fine. <laughs> um, they're, they're pretty cool. Uh, I think they, they actually moved on from making games to instead work on comics, which is, totally cool also oh, yeah absolutely yeah making games is hard as it turns out this is what i hear yeah I've never tried it myself but um there's another game very similar to that uh crotel cave story Carol blaster uh called SpookyGhost.com, which also did a, a i started routing a speed run i have a time it's not a good time uh that game also hurt my hands for mashing so i had to quit that one. Oh. um yeah and then i think that same dev actually is working on another game that's coming out soon so Cool. Yeah. Well, I think we have now touched on most of the games I wanted to uh, to touch on. So I'm going to start winding down the proper script. Uh, remember, folks, if you do have uh, questions, we'll be doing live Q&A once we wrap up, wrap up the proper script. Uh, one of the things I like to do is to give a little connective tissue to the interview series where I get a question from my previous guest for my next guest. Uh, my previous guest was uh, Joester98, uh, Pac-Man mm. World Runner, etc., uh, and and frankly, I'm I'm gonna I don't know if he's if he's ever gonna listen to this or watch this, but uh, he 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 gave me a cop out question. He gave me a lame one, but I'm gonna do my my due diligence and give it to you anyway. Yeah. Uh, he gave me the the is is a hot dog a sandwich question, and if it's not, what is it? So handle uh, it how you want. <laughs> a hot dog is more of a, I would say a taco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You put you put sauce on it, sometimes cheese, right? Chili. There's meat inside. It's definitely a taco. Do you have favorite hot dog toppings? Uh, okay, so I'm weird. Okay, I, <laughs> I don't put toppings on my stuff. Really? Um, I I don't like ketchup. I don't like mustard. <laughs> I I like barbecue sauce, but I'm not gonna put barbecue sauce on a hot dog. No. It's okay. All right. I guess if I had to get a hot dog with stuff on it, I guess a chili cheese dog's good. Um, but otherwise, I tend to just eat the hot dog. It's the same with uh, burgers for me. I don't want like ketchup and mustard. Uh, barbecue's fine, but like, um, I don't want pickles. I don't mm-hmm. want condiments. Just give me the burger. Give me the burg. 
Okay. So. No, that's that's fair. So that yeah. does mean I do need from you a question for my next guest. Uh, the guest will be a speedrunner. I'm not going to tell you who mm-hmm. they are until you give me the question. Question doesn't have to be about speedrunning. Obviously, you just got a question that was not about speedrunning. Yeah. Uh, do you have any any thoughts for a question for me to relay to the next guest? Um, if you had to purchase one novelty instrument, what would it be? Ba 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 ba. Slide whistle's powerful. <laughs> Although I'm a I'm a real band nerd because the the first yeah. thing I think of is um, Watermelon Man the the Herbie Hancock chart. Oh yeah yeah, uh, I played trumpet for uh, plenty of years in yeah. jazz band. So yeah, same yeah. same same. Yep. So uh, well anyway, as as is my custom, I will let you know who the next guest will be. Um, I'm actually excited to have this person on because they're going to represent a genre which I feel like people don't talk enough about. Uh, mm. uh, so that's like so it should be fun. They're really into hmm. that. Um, that'll be good. How about yeah. upcoming games uh, that you are excited to play? What What's coming out that you're like, oh, I can't wait for this to come out. I'm totally going to get on that. Um, hmm. Trying to think. Um, there were a bunch of like point and click games I was interested in that were coming out soon or may have already come out uh one game i'm interested in is chicory actually it's not a point and click but Mm -hmm. um it's sort of a like casual ish walk around color talking simulator yeah that's the game where you like you paint the environment around you right yeah that one looked really interesting um there's a game called the good life that's coming out soon that I, I back that looks good. I, I also uh, back that, yes. That game looks dope. It looks pretty good. Um, There's the, the new game from the... Uh, what is it? The, the H- Duncan Rumpa and 999 folks. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I forget what that's called. The, the Nonary game folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called Death March Club or something like that. Yeah. That looks interesting. Um. Yeah, I think those are like the main games I'm sort of looking forward to right now. Cool. No, that's so, a, that's a good. Mix. I feel like yeah. I one of the things I feel like I've done to really improve my excitement for video games of the future is to make an effort to like understand what I like and then look mm-hmm. for indie games in that space. And I feel like the selection of games because like obviously some of those are still bigger end games, but you know yeah. you mentioned some stuff that's on the on the indie side too, and I feel like it's really important to to like keep keep eyes on that. Speaking of eyes, uh, if you could put more eyeballs on somebody in the speedrun community, who would it be? Who do you feel like deserves more eyeballs? Eyeballs? Yeah, if you want to shout some people uh, out, be like, yeah, I love watching these folks. They should have more yeah. more viewers or whatever. Uh, I mean, everybody should watch Bobby, uh, a.k.a. the plas- Blacktastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby's great, fantastic person, uh, and speedrunner, and just all around a really charming guy. Um, I would say, uh, smooth operative is really interesting and fun to watch. Chill, uh, tippy. Mm-hmm. She's great. Um, who are some other folks? Uh, I really like watching peeking booze runs when I get a chance. DDR pad speed runs of non DDR games is really interesting. Yeah, no, that was it's incredible. Cool. I, I actually, so, I had him on yeah. the podcast right before 
uh, yeah. AGDQ and hearing hearing him go through the process, especially some of the things that he's had to do to mm-hmm. use the the pads as input, is very good. Uh, Drex is good. Uh, Drex has been doing Pugsy was his big game. This like Genesis puzzle platformer that's like super awkward and weird. Um, but he's also been doing a lot of um, Super Mario 3D. Is it World? I think. Uh, not the one that just got recently re-released, but okay. the like Wii U version mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, so he's really good. Um, yeah, I think those are probably the big ones. Uh, Konosumi's really, really good. Interesting runner. A lot of positivity. Cool. Yeah. No, those are all those are all solid solid recommendations. Well, what about what about you? Where should people find you, and what should they be looking for? Uh, yeah, so you can find me at pepsiman.net, which is my Twitch channel. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at the underscore boiks. Uh, you can also find me on Bandcamp, boiks.bandcamp.com. I make mashup music. It's pay what you want, whatever. Um, I have an Etsy where I sell Game Boy modded stuff and potentially more stuff in the future. Um, is that where you sell the, the Another Day in Paradise t-shirt? That is on my Design by Humans oh, okay. <laughs> website, okay. um, which is just a t-shirt company, mm-hmm, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you can find me in any of those places. Cool, yeah. So, uh, Also, my podcast. I forgot about my podcast. Yes, I was, I was about to get to you. On <laughs> Rough the, Cuts. Please tell me the podcast real quick, where people can find it. Yeah, uh, so that's roughcutspodcast.com. That's R-U-F-F podcast, uh, or R-U-F-F cuts, C-U-T-S podcast.com um that is a podcast where i uh host that with my buddy ilion uh we watch movies that star dogs and then we rate the dog at the end the dog Uh, not the movie no the movie sucks but the dog (laughs) the dogs at least like has redeemable quality unlike the films we usually want Um, is there is there a a go-to episode for this podcast if so if i've if if I wanted to listen to an episode to test the waters, which yeah. episode? Uh, I would suggest either... Is it episode 10? Let me go look at it again. Wah, wah, wah. It's the Axel episode. A-X-L. Uh, Axel was a movie about... Oh, it's episode 9. Okay. Episode 9. Um, but Axel was a movie about a robot dog uh, that costs a lot of money and is a war machine but some kid likes it so it's fine uh and then they just cover half the movie in like dirt bike footage because the director really liked dirt bikes <laughs> wait was it actually uh, filmed for the movie or was it just like found footage dirt bikes well okay so yes <laughs> it was filmed for the movie uh they just spent a bunch of money shooting cool dirt bike scenes because the dude was really into dirt bikes okay. and he had a bunch of money to burn so that one's really good. The other one I would suggest is the uh, Super Mario Brothers movie episode, uh, which is a dog movie because, as we all know, Yoshi is both a dog and a horse, and yes. dogs and horses both lay eggs, so Yoshi also lays eggs, and it all makes. No, it works out. It's true. Yeah. All right. So, well, in that case, let's let's wrap up the formal part of the podcast. Uh, Boyks, thank you so much yeah. for giving me all your time. Mm-hmm. I do need one more thing from you. Which is, I'm going to use a cheesy catchphrase, like, let's boost on out of here. And when I okay. say that, I need you to give me your best rocket engine noise. 
Okay. Excellent. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Let's boost on out of here. Excellent. I lo- I I used to have one of those those little. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it. I mean, so like probably haven't seen these, it in years. These five dollar balsa wood. Yeah, 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 yeah. That you would you would yeah. put in has the four yeah the four cutout yeah. corners to make the, yep. the whistle noise. All right, folks. It is it is Q and A time. Uh, if you got questions that you want to throw at Boyks here, we have the front page of Spearon.com for another twenty minutes. Uh, so speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh. I feel like there was there was chat got really active when we got into the food thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly, everyone spoke up. All right, Albert, when are you speedrunning all dogs go to heaven for DOS? The superior um, version of the game. How many versions are there? <laughs> there can't be that many versions, but uh, I mean, uh, I mean, does it run in DOS box? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Oh, it's a 1989 DOS game? Oh, boy, this seems cursed. Oh, no, it runs in DOSBox. Miserable. I might. Yeah, this <laughs> looks... God. I'm, I'm, I, got to, I got to the movie games page for yeah. looking at screenshots. If, if you really want to get a, a DOS speedrunner on the case, you should go talk to Captain Clever. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Magi asks simply, uh, Boyks, Chandelar? Uh, yeah, so Chandelar is a Magic the Gathering... Um, roguelike. They came out in the '90s from Microprose, um, and I used to do speedruns of it because I actually routed that game originally uh, before anybody did any speedruns of it. Uh, and I don't know when I'll be playing that game again because, like, it doesn't re- run super well on Windows 10, uh, which was the main problem. Mm-hmm. It like worked in Windows 7, but <laughs> so I'd have to set up some sort of emulation box or something to get it running again. Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess we'll see. Those late 90s games are always a yeah. true true dice roll when it comes to, to them working properly on Windows 10. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Pro poking of the Daily Noob. How does one acquire such a beautiful hairstyle like yourself? Oh, this? Um, so the trick is you... <laughs> you enter a global <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> and then... And you just don't get a haircut for a year and a half. Yeah, that worked for me. That worked, yeah. Simple, simple. Yeah. Barbers hate it. <laughs> One weird trick. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, what else is going on? Oh, ch- got it. Thank you. All right, there we go. Excellent. No, it's it's fine. I, you know, the, the <laughs> especially getting... We're at the point now in our 30s where like, all the, all the yeah. people who were going to be balding are like firmly down that road and had to make some choice you know about yeah, it like either you just you just go with it or you try to hide it mm-hmm. right i think you just go for it right like, yeah or, one, one or of my buddies my just just shaved, shave. just go went yeah. straight bald it was like nope we're just shaving it off yeah um eh, i'm sure i'll bald soon it's fine 
We'll see. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, what sort of posters you got back there? I see. I see dog. One of them just says dog. Oh on yeah. It. But are they all so, do- like dog movies or what we got? Um. So this is a movie that we did on the podcast called Dogs. Okay. Um. Uh, which is a David McCallum film. Who was like a serious '60s and '70s actor? Sucks. Um, but the film was about a town that had released some chemical in the air that was causing dogs to go murderous, mm-hmm. and then they took over the town. It's it's basically Night of the Lupus or Night of the Lepus or whatever the rabbit movie, but with dogs. So it's not a great movie. It's mostly boring. And there's a lot of scenes of people getting out of their car and then walking five minutes in real time to a door <laughs> as they talk. Um, and then, yeah, the rest of those are Nintendo Power posts. Oh, actually. okay. Um, so I got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, Doom 64, Pokemon, Banjo-Kazooie, Star Fox 4, Diddy Kong Racing, and Wario Land 2. Um, and those are from my copies of Nintendo Power that I had so, mm-hmm. as a kid. Yeah, have those survived moves? Then I feel like getting posters to survive moves yeah. is very, very fraught with problems. I guess you did it. Yeah, I mean they do survive. I mean, they have like some rips and tears. Mm. They're not straight. They have holes in the like tack on the back. But I've had them for quite a few years. So what uh, is? I, they're what's not the, worth anything anymore. Yeah. <laughs> what's the best dog movie yeah. you've watched so far? Uh the best dog movie. Yeah. Um, the best dog movie in, is, well, okay, there's best and there's most entertaining. <laughs> so, the best movie, like, most well-shot and coherent and actually good film is The Pack, 1977. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie's just shot well, it has a very interesting message about how humans um, neglect nature and if we neglect it, then it will come back to attack us or bite us back. Um, but all we need to do is like take care of animals and not be abusive to animals, that type of thing. It's it's just a really good film. Um, and they had like actual real dogs with real trainers that they put in what looked like very scary, dangerous situations for the the humans in the scenes. Like it, it's a good movie. Um, the best film, like most highly entertaining. Uh, it's probably the Bracelet of Bordeaux, I would say, uh, which is a somewhat newer film that we did on the podcast. Um, but that movie's weird. Um, it's a Dove film, which if you know Dove movies, which most people don't, is basically Christian propaganda movies. Oh. Um, but it doesn't really have any Christian messaging. It's just like an acid trip, I guess. Um, it's really weird, um, but it's about, like, an Italian mafia in Texas that are doing a bad Sopranos accent that are stealing dogs to sell on the dog black market, um, and a child that just moved to that town and her French resistance fighter friend, uh, get a... (laughs) World War II amulet of power that allows them to use their imagination to just create things out of thin air, the mask style. Oh, okay. And then solve this illegal Italian dog stealing crime ring. There's a lot going on here. 
it's a lot <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's completely just they went for it and they failed miserably it's it's like the room of dog movies it's so bad is so is the thing that gives In her the power the bracelet is that the the titular bracelet yeah, the okay. only problem, the the literal only problem with this premise is that it is a bracelet that her Jewish grandmother stole from the Nazi. Oh, so it's... it's that, that's a, my only hang-up with it. It's an kind of Nazi a bracelet? Deal. I think it's a Nazi bracelet. Yes, I think that's what they're, I think that's what they're implying in that movie. It's really weird. All right. Oh, and in the middle of that, there's also punks that are sitting around in in the park, like waterboarding kids or something. I don't know. It's so weird. It's a Christian movie somehow. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Pro Poke Noob <laughs> asks, uh, "When do you plan to run Pokemon Red Bingo speedruns?" Uh, I mean, if you want to like set a up a time, yeah. If you want to set up a time for a Pokemon Red Bingo, I'll I'll do it. You're gonna win, but that's fine. <laughs> sure uh all right albert has been repeatedly typing messages in the chat about millionaire dogs do you have anything to say to that or do you do you want me to just ignore him uh yeah millionaire dogs is a movie that albert suggested we watch which we did for the podcast and how that turned Uh, out one of our earlier episodes that movie is garbage (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like a, a german film about the worst dogs the most selfish jerks ever in the history of animated animals. They're so bad. Um, I believe at the end of that episode of the podcast, I asked Germany to apologize for making it. So, you know, like nine out of 10 movie. Yeah. Nine out of 10, basically. Yeah. Uh, Magi asks, can you talk about your Wii U? Yeah, I guess. Um, I picked up a Wii U recently. Oh, um, recently? Okay. See it on the floor back okay. there with my, like, arcade sticks. Um, yeah, I I uh, missed out on buying the Wii U, like most people. Um, but now it's actually... Uh, what, I, what I tend to do is when game consoles start to become, you know, out of popularity, mm-hmm. I start picking them up because they're cheap. Right. Uh, the Wii U is super cheap right now. And most of the Wii U games did get ported over to Switch, but there's still some that are really good on the console. And I think actually adding in the uh, uh, tablet um, makes them better game. So I, I've been I've been digging through it slowly. Um, Pikmin, Super Mario 3D World. Uh, I think I, I tried a little bit of Zombie U off stream just to give it a shot. That game supposedly not good, but it utilizes the tablet really well. Mm-hmm. So I'm in, I'm interested in kind of checking it out more. Um, I think it's an it's a really interesting console that would have worked way better um, if it was the Switch. So yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely I when I yeah. have played it, I have had fun, and the tablet is interesting, mm-hmm. but you know it's. It just never lasted that long. There's fewer, so few games for it. Yeah. The other problem was that the naming was terrible. Mm-hmm. So most people thought it was a tablet you put with your Switch or put with your Wii, I guess. Right. Um, when it's a console and a tablet. So terrible marketing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. unfortunate, but, but, you know, interesting nevertheless. And certainly, you know, if, if you're, if, if you like experimenting with that kind of interface stuff, then, 
you know, a yeah. perfect time to pick it up. Yeah, it's super cheap. Most of the Wii U games are like ten to twelve bucks, to be honest. Oh yeah, the Wii U copies will be will be cheap too. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I mean, maybe maybe some of the ones that are still truly exclusive might still have some value, but like you have so few consoles to play them. Yeah, I don't think it'll be like the Wii where it was like so overproduced that this always going to be worth nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in a couple years those games will go up in price. There, yeah. There's like a, the Paper Mario game, Color Jam, I mm-hmm. think is what it was. Um, that game's only on that console and it's the only place to play it, and it's a good game. So like if you want to play that game and there's a, a fan community that comes up around that as we start to get older and they start to grow up, yeah, I think it'll go up. Um, it was the same thing with the PS3. Like PS3 games were super cheap for a while and they're starting to bounce a little back now. Yeah, so. I imagine the pandemic probably accelerated a lot of that too. As people were like, yeah. "Well, guess I'll guess I'll buy video games." Yep. All right, cool, folks. We're still on the on the front page for a few more. So, if you got anything else to to throw in, uh, do feel free to throw that in. Um, um just a quick reminder: Valuethon starts tomorrow, um, twelve o'clock Pacific time, three o'clock Eastern. Uh, we'll be starting with Resident Evil Five, I believe. Uh, as a co-op run, so that'll be interesting. It's the way uh, if you to want play to check that out game. the schedule for that, definitely suggest doing so. Uh, I don't believe the uh, Oengus oh, is that not updated? schedule is fully up to date, but oh, okay. I did update the Herrero. Yeah, let me put the Herrero in then. Uh, just drop yeah. that link in the chat. That one should be fully up to date. Okay. Um, there's some bonus incentives, things going on. We'll also have front page on Twitch tomorrow night. Um, so it should be a, a good time. Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward yeah. to it. It's definitely, I I had taken a little bit of a break from doing marathons after after AGDQ, and I was like, mm, seeing stuff coming up. It's like, oh, Valuethon, let me put in some stuff for that. Yeah, see where things go. I'm I'm always ready to put True Crime New York City in another marathon. I've sort of been on a world <laughs> tour of that game for like three years now. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I, was, I mean, we all have games that we like running in marathons yeah. that we just think is fun. Yeah, um, for sure. If I was better at Goose Game, I'd submit Goose Game. Uh, but like, I like Goose Game as a speed run. But then people got good at it, and I'm like, I don't want to get good at it. So <laughs> that's too much. Do you have any? Do you have any top picks for 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 Valuethon? Oh yeah, for like yeah. what to watch. Uh yeah, there were a few that stuck out to me that I thought were really interesting. Uh, obviously, I like beat 'em ups. So River City Girls, I think, will be a really interesting run by Goofy. Um, we also have Fire Emblem Three Houses, uh, Verdant Wind with Aeon Frodo. Always good runs from Aeon Frodo, so that'll be exciting. Uh, one thing I thought was neat was the Mega Man 2 Power Fighters. Um, there's an incentive to run the first Power Fighters and the second Power Fighters, which are Mega Man 2 arcade fighters. <laughs> They're fighting games with Mega Man mechanics. Uh, but that runner was going to run them both with the same inputs. Oh. So beat two fighting games with the same input. Mm-hmm. Sweet. That sounds dope. That sounds uh, good. There's, yeah. There's true crime from somebody I've never heard of. God, why would you do that? Um, uh, we're going to have a, a neat little rhythm section, sort of in the middle of uh, Saturday morning with Dungeon Hearts, Quaver, and D4 DJ Groovy Mix. Um, so that'll be neat. Bunch of rhythm games. Um, the other ones I thought were neat, personally, uh, Metroid Prime 2 Echoes Randomizer. I haven't ever seen a Metroid Prime. They got randomizers for everything now. Yeah. 
Um, that one's going to be dope. Ringland Bros and Barnum and Bailey Circus for the Wii Race. <laughs> Two-player racing, like a, a crappy shovelware minigame collection. Yeah, no, that's what dope. I call a circus. Um, and then we also have the FMV block sort of near the end of the night with Wirehead and uh, Fort Boyard. So if you if you dig old FMV games, that's how we're kind of ending the marathon. Yeah, uh, no. Also, of course, Barbie Fashion Pack. Very important. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. wrapping it up there at TBCR at the end. That should be really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on the schedule, though. Um, it's all... Honestly, it's a really packed schedule. Yeah, so. no, it's actually... I mean, looking yeah. at it right now, you know, I can... I, I, Blade 2, if you love broken right. 3D games, yeah. Blade 2, Matt Matt uh, is incredible. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing that deployed at a marathon. That definitely caught <laughs> my eye right away. Gotcha. Uh, what about okay? Well, we got we got we got more questions here. What about favorite dog based video game? Dog based video game. Um, what's the name of that game? One second. I believe it is called Jerry Rice and Nidus's Dog Football. <laughs> That's the one for Wii, right? Is that? Yeah, it has a Steam port. Oh, you can buy huh. it right now and play it on your PC. <laughs> Can you really wait a second? Yup. <laughs> there it is. I just found it. God, that's incredible. That game is dope. <laughs> oh, so you have played it? Uh, I've seen it played. Okay. Yeah. Um, what are other good? I'm trying to think. Um, there's a really good Scooby-Doo point-and-click adventure game on the Genesis. Mm-hmm. That one's good. Um... I know there's a lot of bad ones. I can't think of too many good. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I I recently tried yeah. to do like a list of of dog based games, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of see what was out there and to see like to what extent this is really a meme. And of course, like a lot of the list was, as you just mentioned, Scooby Doo stuff is is yeah. Scooby Doo. Um, I don't know. It was it was really like, some of them were bad, but like there are some good indie ones that I feel like have been well received. Uh, like you know, Pet the Pup at the Party. Uh, oh yeah, that one's fun. That one's yeah. fun. Um, there's an, I, one I'm looking forward to. I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, what was it an an airport for aliens currently run by dogs, which is uh, one of the the Z- huh. Nelson games coming up. Um, you know, like yeah. the, he was the like the writer for Hypnospace Outlaw. So that makes sense. Um, does Watch Dogs count? Does <laughs> Watch Dogs count? Well, oh, you, you know what? You know what's a good dog game? Sam and Max. Sam and Max. Yeah, that's another series. I love Sam and Max. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, I think in um, there's a GTA. Well, it's not. It's kind of. I called a GTA clone. Um, Dead to Rights. Apparently, you have a dog companion. Yeah, um, I've seen game. that game played. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other dog game. Uh, what is it? Hundred foot robot golf. Oh yes, where you have the corgis, yeah. the five corgis that control. Yeah, yeah. the Voltron corgis. That's yeah. right. That's right. That is, that's yeah. I should go back to. I mean, my shtick is like, like I love doing mecha stuff besides yeah. doing crime stuff. So I should probably go back to that at some point. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. you could do it in VR. You can do it in VR. PSVR. I do. Yeah. I did. I did yep. try that once. Do you, do you have PSVR? Uh, I don't have VR. I have a move. Okay. Um, a horribly smoke. <laughs> rune ps move that i bought on ebay um but I, I don't actually have the playstation vr yet i need to get a ps4 if i'm gonna do that still mm, or ps5 okay. i guess now yeah 
No, that's, maybe that's that, stuff, that stuff is interesting. I, I had the opportunity yeah. to try because of a friend, and I don't know. I I kind of like watching other people do it more. Like I I, I have found both yeah. both the experience of watching GDQ VR runs as well as like watching, for example, Puri uh, do VR stuff mm-hmm. uh, has been like more fun than maybe necessarily doing it myself. That's true. Like Boneworks is dope. Mm-hmm. I play Boneworks. Um, Half Life Alex obviously very good, but that's like the top of the bar for VR. So. Um, there's some other interesting stuff on PSVR that look fun, for sure. Uh, I think right now VR still has a ton of shovelware. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's going to get past that point, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it evolves. I, I'm thinking VR is going to end up like the Wii mode, eventually. Eventually, yeah. Um, whereas like people are going to copy it, it's going to come out and everything, and then like people realize they don't actually want motion stuff because motion stuff isn't that fun. Um, it's a little different in VR because it's not motion, right? There's an experience to it, um, but it requires a completely different way of developing games from the ground up mm-hmm. that I think a lot of developers just aren't willing to embrace for the cost. So, yeah, definitely. we'll find out. All right. Well, we're about we're at 1030 now, so we've wrapped up. Do you have a raid target uh, that we can go to? Um, let me see who's online. Do... Hmm. Yeah, uh, we should raid my co-host of Rough Cuts. Ilion. Yeah, can you give me just drop me the link in the chat or something? There you go. Uh, Ilion is currently doing a community Among Us game uh-huh. with people in his Discord. Awesome. All right, so let me cue that up. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. You should go follow him. Excellent. Well, let me. All right. Nope. Uh, he also speedruns Dead Cells. Randomly. Oh, that's okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I queued that up. Um, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the marathon. Hopefully everything goes well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it'll be an interesting event and a really long three days that I just hope is really fun. So we'll <laughs> Hopefully. See. We'll find out. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to let you go now yeah. and send folks over to there and uh, hopefully see okay. you around in the future. Cool. Thank you. Take care.